This is Femi Kuti, and you are listening to NYC Radio Live. All right, you're listening to NYC Radio Live. David Ellenbogen here. Um, wow, super exciting. Got a chance to talk with Zakir Hussein. Everybody agrees he's one of the greatest tabla players of all time, if not the greatest, and one of the great percussionists of all time. And um, I'm just going to list off my top of my head, but maybe you want a pencil. These are albums you should know. If you don't, they're all unbelievable. Um, Planet Drum, the greatest all percussion album I'd say I've ever, ever heard. Maybe tied with some of Max Roach's Boom projects. That's with Mickey Hart and Ayrton Moriera and Flora Parim and Giovanni Hildago and uh, Baba Tunde Alatunde. Amazing album. All the Shakti albums with El Shankar and uh, John McLaughlin and Biku uh, Vinayagram. All that stuff. Unbelievable. Every single Shakti album. The Remember Shakti albums. Killer, too. Uh, with Selva Ganesh. New uh, Srinivas. Um, what else, dude? Uh, well, all these amazing recordings with Hari Prasad Tarazia, Aliyat Barkhan. His own uh, recording, Making Music, with John McLaughlin and Jan Garberek is incredible and um, Sangam with Charles Lloyd and Eric Harland is like new territory for tabla and Indian classical music and then this project that he's coming to town with uh, November 15th I believe at the town hall with Edgar Meyer the great Edgar Meyer and Bela Fleck is super cool and um, a great, great concept. And they're coming to town with Rakesh Cherezia. So, um, I believe he's a nephew of Hari Prasad Cherezia, and he is uh, carrying carrying that mantle. So, uh, super exciting. So, because that show is coming up, I got the chance to sit down and talk with Zakir Hussain. And, um, I'd been thinking a lot about what I wanted to ask him, and I got to a lot of it. It was free, pretty freewheeling conversation. He's very gracious, very charming, as you'll hear. Um, hope for another chance. There's more. There's more I want to know. Um, but here's my conversation with Zakir Hussain, and, and underneath the conversation, uh, just very subtly in the background, you'll hear selections from that album with Edgar Meyer. Bela Fleck, uh, called the Melody of Rhythm, and um, a little, some snippets of some other parts of his career, Planet Drum and Shakti. So, uh, yeah, here I am with Zakir Hussein. When you first came out 
to the West Coast in, I guess, 69 or something like that, it must have been an entirely different world, right? Uh, yes, to say the least, yeah. I mean, it was a very different world in those days. Uh, uh, I think the, uh, the business world had not yet latched onto the possibilities of what the music world uh, can do for them and uh, the world of managers and booking agents and all was uh, still in, in, in its infancy and the musicians, the artists were basically talking to each other one-on-one -on -one and not through their offices and their managers and so on. Uh, the feeling of interaction and connection was way different in those days. Uh, 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 spontaneous musical gatherings were the norm of the day. Uh, uh, I mean, I myself uh, was witness to um, so many gatherings where, music, where some local band would be playing in a club and in, and, and, and in walks um, Jerry Garcia of the Grateful Dead and, and, and would plug into one of the amps and start jamming with them. That was normal. Or, or uh, Carlos Santana would walk in and uh, while uh, Sons of Chaplin, one of the Garcia bands, would be playing and, and, and sit in with them or, or, and, and vice versa and all kinds of stuff like that would happen. Our, uh, a salsa band would be playing and uh, the great Armando Peraza would walk in and sit down and start uh, soloing and all this kind of stuff would happen on a regular basis and, and there was no issues of, oh, I shouldn't be doing this because I have a gig coming up and, and this may affect that, etc., etc. No such thought. So there was a, a very open-hearted uh, sharing of art and culture and, and musical interactions and, 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 and therefore the growth of music. Was, uh, was very special, very positive, and uh, uh, had a very special strength to it in those days. The fact that uh, going across Golden Gate Bridge was only 75 cents, and, <laughs> and, 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 and a great burger could be eaten for under a dollar. Right, so I mean, just having low rent makes a huge difference for everything. Yeah. A big, big difference, and you could go to a, a, a rock and roll concert uh, of, 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 like, say, the Jefferson Airplane and pay $2 or $1 and get in and, and, and listen to them in a place like, say, the Fillmore West uh, in, in sort of an intimate surrounding and, and really enjoy the concert. It was just fabulous. This kind of interaction that was taking place was not just limited to, to uh, the, the elite of the music in the Bay Area. Uh, everyone was welcome, and, and uh, this is one of the things that was very uh, special. I mean, I, I mean, I was uh, uh, welcomed with open arms uh, to to join in at jam sessions of the Santana Group or town jam sessions of the Grateful Dead or Jefferson and you know, and, and, and every one day a week there would be an open uh, uh, stage gathering at Mickey Hart's. Uh, Novato place and, and, and people, all musicians of all variety would come in and, and whoever was in the neighborhood would, would uh, drop in. There would be David Crosby or Gracie Slick or uh, 
Fish, Country Joe, I mean, you name it, they would all just walk in and, and then would pick up an instrument and start playing along. And all that kind of stuff would happen. And, and, and I would be sitting in, in, in quite a few of those gatherings playing uh, either my tabla or any other percussion instrument, and, you know, or just being a spectator, but was allowed in to that group. And, 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 and like me, many other Hamza uh, 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 walk in and, 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 and would be welcomed and Ayerto uh, Morera would come in from Brazil and all sorts of great musicians would just walk in and be there and be welcomed so it wasn't just limited to rock and roll or, or even jazz like uh, Sparrow Sanders would come in or Mal Saunders would walk in uh, but it would uh, include musicians from India, musicians from Africa, everywhere, uh, Middle East, and we'd all be like part of this uh, sharing of of music and and the culture that was uh, without any hesitancy and without any boundaries. And 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 so I must say that uh, I felt uh, like uh, I belonged. I felt like I was home. I, I, I wasn't in any way uh, made to feel not wanted, and, and, and so it was a, a very relaxed uh, upbringing into this culture for me. I mean, you have to realize I came from India where we are, we are very disciplined and uh, uh, there is a protocol that one follows. and. Uh, and the music is played with uh, uh, special respect and uh, reverence given to the seniors and, and 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 so on. And you would not even think of uh, while the while the seniors were sitting and practicing to go sit down and 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 see if you are welcome to join in. That would never happen. And so there were certain do's and don'ts that I grew up with. And and when I walked in here and everything was thrown open. Uh, uh, like carte blanche, and it, it just uh, was a very electrifying um, uh, experience and, and, and great welcome for a young buck from India to come in and, and be part of this uh, musical exchange. And I imagine it wasn't limited to just uh, musicians. Did you meet like some of the beat poets or something? Yeah, yeah, Alan Ginsberg, uh, 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 Alan Watts. Uh, There were, 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 were uh, these people. I, I did a concert once uh, with Alan Watts, uh, a great poet who would live, who was living on a houseboat in Sausalito, actually, right. almost like a ship. Uh, and and, and uh, myself and, and the Indian maestro Ali Akbar Khan uh, played with Alan Watts while he was doing his po uh, while he was uh, reciting his po his poems and his sayings and, and it was amazing to be sitting there at this Berkeley Community Theater in Berkeley and, and actually performing and seeing an audience there for this kind of stuff. I mean, I've never imagined this happening, uh, something like this happening in India. I mean, we had poets who would have uh, in India their own um, gathering where the poets would sit on stage next to each other and, and they would uh, in turn recite their poems and, and that would be that. There were no musicians on stage or any kind of uh, 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 interaction even between the poets to, to exchange uh, uh, 
couplets uh, amongst themselves uh, uh, spontaneously. None of that would happen. But to have this go uh, going on, uh, uh, and you know, there was a reading of uh, uh, Keats, I think, uh, which this actress uh, from Hollywood, Yvette Mimio, who, who read it and. Uh, was accompanied by a combination of Indian musicians and jazz musicians. It was uh, uh, interesting to be a part of all that stuff in those days, and, and it's something that I've never seen happen. And, and my mind, as a tabla player, was thrown open to uh, amazing possibilities listening to uh, percussionists interact in, in, in so many different uh, combinations that uh, it just opened my my eyes to possibilities that tabla, my instrument, had if all these ideas and these percussion techniques and and and, 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 and musicalities were transposed onto my tabla and that's what I ended up doing eventually and uh, I am proud to say that it kind of changed the way I play and uh, I express myself as a percussionist and, and, and uh, it kind of in those days at least uh, put me uh, apart from other tabla players in India obviously because they did not get that chance that I got coming over here. Right, I mean, what you're saying is making me think of two two different things. I mean, one is, you know, that the Hindustani music preserved it, this, like, incredible lineage of knowledge and uh, information and, and virtuosity with one model. <laughs> and, you know, it's extremely successful with that model. And then you came to the United States, and it's like the lid is blown off. It's almost the opposite. Exactly. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> the one reason why that actually works or worked for me, or even for other indie musicians later on who followed, is because we grew up uh, not just learning the music, but also simultaneously learning what to do with it, how to expand it, how to improvise uh, and, and, and create new combinations and permutation that allowed our mind to be open to being flexible uh, uh, as opposed to say a Western classical musician who grows up learning that tradition and uh, uh, is so seeped in it and so well entrenched in it uh, that for him or her to be able to immediately, at the spur of the moment, switch to being a bluegrass musician or a jazz artist or, or even interact with the in Indian musicians in an improv form is, is difficult. Uh, but for us, being imp improv imp improvising musicians or for a jazz artist being an improv improvisational musician, it was much easier to be able to uh, switch hats. Yeah, and did, well, I'm curious about like what times were you exposed to kind of percussion traditions that were so far out of what you had originally been exposed to that, you know, it, you know, you, you felt the mo most like a student and the least like a master, like what, what were those moments? Well, it's like, uh, well, you know, when you grow up, growing up in India, uh, you learn the repertoire. 
the traditional compositions and everything, and, and you do that for years and hours a day, and and so you you focus and 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 uh, in being able to execute onto your on your instrument that which is being drilled into you uh, for many centuries, you know, coming from generations of musicians. So that happens, and 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 so you do that, and that's all you do. Uh, like you said, one way. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so when you do that, and then you arrive uh, into a country where suddenly an idea is thrown in front of you, and 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 and, and uh, the light goes on, and and that that simple idea is, okay. So you know how to take all that information that has been taught to you and execute it almost flawlessly onto your instrument. But do you know what else your instrument is capable of? That basic question is not something that we necessarily asked. Even though in our tradition in India, there were uh, milestone moments when great musicians actually brought out something unique about either their instrument or something unique about the way uh, they saw the music. I mean, Ravi Shankar made innovation in sitars, which were not there before. Uh, Ali Akbar Khan, the great sarod maestro, made innovation in sarod playing, which were not there before. Vilayat Khan, the great sitar maestro from India, uh, uh, Ravi Shankarji's contemporary, uh, an equally great uh, genius, uh, invented a whole different way of being able to play the sitar. Uh, and, and so they did do stuff that uh, hawked to the idea that they dug deeper into the concept of seeing what the instrument uh, can do and therefore help them do with their music. Now that's something that uh, is, uh, a, a, it was not uh, drilled inside of me or any or, or a seed planted in me. You have to understand I was only 18 years old when I left India. So I was <coughs> for, for the last 12 or 13 years just doing Indian music and, and, and my teacher, my father's uh, concern was to just drill all that information inside of me and, and make sure that that's there before anything else happens. And then I left and I came here and I saw Armando Peraza, the, the congero who played on in Carlos Santana's band, take five conga drums and, and not just play rhythm on them, but create melodies, create tonal uh, textures, uh, scales, and all kinds of incredible stuff. And, and he was playing the edges of the instrument or the center of the instrument or scratching it with his nails. He was doing all sorts of finger stuff or the palm stuff or the slaps. And, and I was saying, wow, I mean, here's this one drum and he's creating a whole symphony of sounds out of it. And, and this is apart from all the, all the incredibly complex rhythmic uh, uh, ideas that he's throwing around. And, and so that was amazing to watch. Max Roach was amazing to watch. Hell Stones was amazing to watch. Uh, Tony Williams. Uh, was a revelation. I mean, how these people were so powerful on their instruments, yet so musical. And, and, and that idea of, of uh, interacting and connecting with your instrument on all levels 
was was a a wondrous revelation for me while I watched people playing here. And and, and that's what I tried to incorporate uh, into my playing. And and, and I think uh, that's what I have somewhat done, where I've tried to uh, get the tabla to to not only be a rhythmic accompanying instrument, but also uh, uh, a harmonically inclined supportive instrument. And I'm curious, I, I, I produced some concerts out here, um, some, in fact, I do one, one big, big one a year, 24 hours of Hindustani-inspired music, and we do it 24 sets, different musicians, and we've actually broadcasted on this radio station. And so I'm always curious, I mean, you're, you're not the oldest guy, but you started so young that you, you, were, you were in at that earlier generation, and I'm just so curious. What in the presentation of this music? What what was what was what was better about how Hindustani music may have been presented, and maybe what was worse back in your in your father's generation? Like, well, I have to say that Indian classical. First of all, you have to understand that Indian classical music was not an entertainment art form stage-oriented music until uh, the British left India. That's like around 1940s. And uh, that's when the festivals started to take place and Indian musicians started coming out onto the public stage and started to present the art form to to, uh, to, to the audiences everywhere. Before that, the music was mainly confined to the palaces. And, and, and most of the great musicians were court musicians to certain Maharaja or certain Nawab, certain mm-hmm. in all those places, whether it was Rampur or, or Jodhpur or uh, Khairagar or wherever it was. So there were these musicians who were in, in the employ, employment of all these great Nawabs and Maharajas. And so they were content that once in a blue moon that they would be called upon to perform for the Maharaja and his courtiers and, 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 and among the courtiers would sit the connoisseurs who knew about the music and, and, and therefore there was a, a very uh, specially created comfort zone ambiance for the musician to and, and perform. When the princely states went away and uh, the Indian government uh, set in and the democracy came in, uh, the Maharajas uh, were gone and all that. Now the musicians were left to act for themselves. And that's when the earlier promoters came into play and they started doing festivals and concerts in various cities where they would have Indian music. But the problem was the Indian musicians was not yet sure of how to present the music to to a mass audience or to normal people. And, and, and because he was so used to, or she was so used to performing for connoisseurs, there was no need to explain the music, there was no need to in any way water it down or even simplify it or, or make it so that uh, uh, certain elements of it stood out without uh, hitting the nail on the head. Uh, per se for the audience uh, they hadn't figured out how to be an entertainment artist on the stage so the earlier part of Indian classical music 
starting in the late uh, mid-1940s onwards, was very true to its, its uh, seat form. And, and the performances went on uh, with that in mind. And most of the musicians performed that way. And, and therefore, it wasn't in, uh, catching on. But in, in the mid-50s or late-50s arrived some of these very young whippersnapper musicians who were not only amazing uh, with their instruments, but, but were sort of tuned in to uh, the audience, uh, audience's pulse, and were young enough to be uh, uh, appealing to the young uh, audiences. And those were people like Ravi Shankar, Vilayat Khan, Ali Akbar Khan. These were artists who were very young. And they came out and they figured out how to be able to uh, make it possible for the audiences to, to receive this music and, and, and get the most out of it be entertained at the same time uh, be exposed to the wonders of this traditional art form. So that's when uh, the music started to morph into an entertainment art form but yet maintain its, uh, its uh, purity. It, it, it still did that. And, 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 and credit much go to these young artists that who even though they started to gain greater heights and, and, and popularity they in no way uh, 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 pandered to the audience's demand uh, in a way where the music would suffer. And, and so that was very special. And that was simply because they were still trying to figure out how to be able to make this music uh, uh, acceptable uh, and at the same time uh, accessible to the audience. And, uh, um, later on, when Ravi Shankar and my father started touring America and stuff, and they went back to India, they figured out how to be able to present uh, ragas in a way where they, that the audience would not be subjected to three-hour ragas, but would be given uh, shorter spells, more information, and, and there would be some talking and some interacting with the audiences and, and so on. So that uh, was a big change, and the audience caught on to that. The connoisseurs and the purists, however, were not happy with it because they considered that to be watered down music. They said, oh, you're oversimplifying the music. That's not how it should be. The intricacy should be uh, more intricate than, than, they, than they appear to be, etc., etc. So, but Ravi Shankar uh, persisted. Ali Akbar Khan persisted. Bismillah Khan persisted. And, and what it did was it uh, made the music uh, more appealing and, and, and brought it to, to the masses uh, uh, intact, but with a different presentation idea. So that's where we are with the music at this point. Uh, it hasn't changed any further. What has happened is that the harmonic ability of the music is being experimented with or uh, researched with at the moment. All the ragas are as pure as they used to be, uh, but the melodic uh, element is now exploring, looking at the raga from not just the Indian point of view, but from an Arabic point of view or an African point of view or a Western point of view. So you hear these uh, melodic ideas or combinations and permutations of notes that hark 
to to Western system uh, of of melody making, and so there are uh, uh, people who feel that maybe that's really Westernizing the music, but. Um, I don't see it that way. The, the way I see it, you know how it is when you have a vamp of 10, 12, 15 songs coming out of the same vamp. So if you have a raga and, and you have this idea of how to perform a raga and you keep performing the raga that way, then what you are depriving yourself to is the possibility of how else can it be done. And that's exactly what Indian music is about, to come up with new ideas and new uh, thought process, new musicalities, because what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to improvise. Now, if we were to play the music as it, as it is supposed to be a hundred years ago, then we might as well write it all out and play it verbatim like Western music. But if we are supposed to improvise and find our own voice in it, which is what Indian music requires you to do, then your own voice would have the musical uh, idea of your time. Mm. So, so, that's so that's where we are with Indian music at the moment. And, uh, and I think it's a great place that the music is in. And most of the young musicians of today, uh, they are growing up not only listening to Indian music and learning Indian music, but at the same time, simultaneously, learning all other forms of music uh, via the website, YouTube, Facebook, you name it. And, and, and uh, CDs are available and books are available and so on. In my time, nothing was available. I mean, I just right. Indian music for 18 years or so. Then I came here and then I had to start from scratch. But in, young Indian musicians of today are frighteningly well informed about the music from all over the world. So they are not just looking at Indian music as one entity, but they are looking at Indian music as, as a global entity and, and its ability to be able to speak to ears in all different parts of the world uh, in the kind of musical language that they can hear and understand. And that's uh, something that's very special about the young Indian musician of today. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an exciting period in music thanks to yeah. that access. Um, when you're talking about this, uh, you know, the balance that, you know, Ravi Shankar and Ali Akbar Khan, they, they had between entertainment and purity. That's, that's always, that, that, that's always, you know, some some dance that everybody has to do if they're coming from a strong lineage. And, you know, if I listen to something like Ali Akbar Khan, my sense is, I, I always hear like a, a tenderness and, and a true, and a vulnerability, like true improvisation, like true risk-taking. And sometimes I fear that the music could become more like a Broadway show where every tea high is worked out beforehand and no mistakes are going to be made and everybody will be dazzled but it's it, but but you know the, you have to understand that uh, it's like for instance India is a big country mm -hmm. and there are hundreds of cities where concerts are held 
And, and, and But these hundreds of cities are places where musicians don't regularly go. Like for instance, if a tabla player is playing in Delhi or Banaras or Kolkata or Hyderabad or something, he may not actually end up going to Amravati or Badnera or Khairagar or Sarsi or little towns like that. So when an Indian musician arrives in those places, his first initial thought is to be able to impress his ability onto the audience. And therefore, uh, the tried and true that worked in so many other places five years ago, eight years ago, is brought forward and put into place so that the audience would, would latch on to this person's brilliance. And then there will be time later, uh, a couple of years down the road, while he keeps coming, to be able to uh, then maneuver the audience to be able to uh, see the subtleties, the nuances, and, and then the openness of what this music is all about. That may be a thought process that a lot of Indian musicians also uh, 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 you know, experiment with when they are traveling in America or Europe and, or, or anywhere else. So, so this is something that will happen. You do expect, and this is true for jazz or for anywhere else, or even Western music, when say a Lang Lang comes out and plays the piano in a concert hall, there's, a, there's an incredible amount of dramatized physicality about his performance, which may not necessarily be in, say, a Herbie Hancock's performance. Uh, and it's simply because Herbie Hancock, uh, 30 years ago, went through that gamut already. While Lang, Lang Lang is just going through it now, and he will get it out of his system, and 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 and, and it will be over, and then it will be more like, okay, now he has established himself to be an artist of reckoning, and 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 so when that has happened, now he can pick and choose what it is that he wants to do, and really bring the audience in, into his intimate world. And, 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 and share with them his inner understanding of the music. So this is something that is a process that goes through. I went through that and I know uh, so many other young musicians have gone through that. I was lucky because I arrived in this country when I was 18 years old and, and then by the time I was 20, uh, I was already hooked up with Ali Akbar Khan as his accompanist and for 11 years I played with him. But I was away from the critical eyes of the connoisseur mm. and, and, and who, the, the newspaper people and all that in India. I was here. So I was able to relax and, and get into uh, the way Ali Akbar Khan saw the music and, and, and his influence washed over me like a tidal wave and, and I have to say that uh, 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 he's one of the greatest uh, musical blessings that I have received and uh, and it has helped me to uh, hone my skill in a way where it does not depend on, um, on what you may call the initial uh, uh, thought that is let me just impress this audience. Uh, because I didn't have to do that. I was when when I was in India. When I would go back to India, I would struggle with that thought. But when mm -hmm. I was in Europe and America and everywhere with Ali Akbar Khan, I didn't have to struggle with that thought. I was sitting with the side Ali Akbar Khan, and, and there was no issues of of, of 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 trying to explain my pedigree. There was no need to do that. Secondly, 
there were not that many tabla players around in this part of the world in those days, so I had no competition to deal with. So therefore, uh, equally, I did not have to really impress my ability uh, upon the listeners. So uh, it was a much more relaxed time for me. But musicians of today have, uh, in a in a very short time, be able to, you know, announce themselves, and so. Uh, a lot of what they do is based on what has worked for them uh, in their initial uh, performing years, and and so arriving in a new country, those things uh, pop up, and and uh, when you get to know them better, then you hear uh, the, the depth of their ability, which is uh, quite amazing and frightening. Now, one thing that I think might have changed is the amount of time that people can dedicate to a single project. And I'm, I'm lucky enough that Visu uh, and Ayakram and Sela Ganesh and Sun Flaminath and they all come around our, our scene here in Brooklyn. And they, they related that before Shakti uh, went public, that you guys were practicing quite intensely for a long time. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, of course. I mean, when you're playing music uh, of that kind and, and that intensity, uh, it is important that uh, we all gather around, uh, you know, at the same junction of thought making. And uh, so we have to act as one. We have to uh, be one mind, uh, four or five people at the same time. And, and, and that is very important because, I mean, it's okay if two people are improvising and trading solos back and forth. But then there are five people who are simultaneously improvising. Uh, you don't want to, uh, you know, trip over each other. You want to be able to make sure that there's enough space for everyone to be able to speak uh, musically. And, and so, therefore, uh, sitting with each other, learning each other's temperament, uh, uh, finding out about each other's like and dislike, and, and, and uh, all sorts of other shades of personalities that all must be understood so that when you get together and you start performing together, uh, all those things come into play and you look at that person's face and you know what that person is thinking and the eye contact tells you something and, 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 and a twitch of uh, the nose tells you something or, or, or a tilt of a head tells you something, all those things come into play. So therefore, uh, it's a, a, a long uh, uh, moment of hanging together, eating together, walking together, seeing movies together, uh, cooking together, playing music together, playing ping pong together, whatever. All that comes into play because what are you supposed to be doing is when you get on stage, you take all that information and and sort of uh, you know uh, create a juice of it uh, into your music. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember the number exactly, but I feel like Silva Ganesh related that it was something like six months or a year of just. Just practicing and playing before you, before that, like yeah, hit the world. A part of that was also solo practice. Mm -hmm. I mean, you knew that there was certain material that you had to know, and you worked your way around it because uh, when you're playing, say, something like a kanjira, which is uh, an amazing instrument, but I mean, you have one hand. 
right. working with. I mean, in, in that one hand, you have to put the power of a whole drum kit or, 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 a, or a tabla set or, you know, and bring all those tones and rhythmic uh, 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 patterns all right out there at the same level. And that's not easy. So to be able to uh, get to that point where when you arrive at rehearsals, uh, that you are at, you know, at that level of, uh, of, of where you could run with the rest of the band is very important. Amazing uh, project with you and, and, and Edgar Meyer and Bela now, now introducing uh, Rakesh. Very interesting for me because banjo is, is a beautiful m melodic instrument, but at the same time it's a very highly rhythmic instrument. Right. And so is the bass. And uh, tabla is now sort of uh, qualifying in that same uh, category of being a rhythmic instrument, as, but at the same time also an instrument with melodic harmonic abilities. So you have three of these. And, and when we got together and we started playing, it was, it was so much fun because we could, we could simultaneously be support for each other or solo instruments at the same time or just rhythm keeping devices at the same time and so it was it was like having three lead voices uh, doing all these different things almost uh, like a rhythmic melodic a cappella right uh, so it was great and now with the uh, with the uh, with the inclusion of Rakesh Chaurasia probably the finest young uh, uh, Indian flautist around uh, 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 another l layer, you know, on top has been added that sort of allows uh, 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 a soaring melodic uh, element to come into play. Like as you know, you have a beautiful scene of a sunset or something. What's missing is a bird flying over. Mm -hmm. Now we have that bird, and it just completes the scene, and it gives us. Uh, 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 an interesting uh, combination of rhythmic, uh, harmonic, melodic uh, elements. And like I said about Indian musicians, uh, young Indian musicians, they now are well versed not only in, in the Indian classical music form, but uh, in, in, in jazz forms or, or rock music or, or, or hip hop music form, that they are able to uh, just slip right into those ideas and, and, and express themselves uh, without any hesitancy and uh, with total confidence. So to have someone like Rakesh come in is, 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 is uh, a boon because uh, he brings uh, uh, this sensibility of, of being a global musician in, 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 in its true, in his true uh, sense. And, 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 and be a part of this group and we're really looking forward to performing at the town hall in November and, and this is going to be a fabulous combination. We're going to get together in a few days in Nashville and do some rehearsal and, and, uh, but I'm positive that by the time we arrive in New York we'll be a well-horned machine. Nice and you know I know Edgar Meyer someone told me they first came to his, his attention when he w he won a fiddle contest, but he's on the bass. Uh huh. So he, <laughs> you know, that. Yeah. He is a Western classical musician. It, this is a, this is a this is an anomaly, I would have to say. I mean, a, a Western classical musician 
who's equally at home playing bluegrass, equally at home playing jazz, and and a person who plays bass, uh, for 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 which not much music has been written in Western classical world, and he wrote loads of music for Western classical. Uh, orchestra to play with the bass and, and, and the bass is all over the world are thanking him for it and, and he's one of the most important musicians of our time and and Vela has single-handedly brought banjo from being a bluegrass instrument to uh, to a world instrument uh, I mean uh, equally at home in jazz and in playing with uh, uh, ballet or, or uh, string quartets or, or symphonic uh, orchestras and and now with these, these combos, uh, like with Chick or with uh, uh, Indian musicians or with uh, Diabate, the African guy, he's just uh, done uh, amazing uh, things to the, to the bass and, and if, uh, to the banjo. I mean, and if, when history is written 150 years down the road and, and what was the turning point for the banjo, Thank you. 